Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you can all hear me loud enough. Um, I say this every time, but it is really a privilege to be able to speak as a part of this series. Uh, I think this really important series, and I found it really encouraging and really challenging each week uh, to hear about these essential truths. And I'm sure everyone here now knows the soul is off by heart. Does anyone want to quickly say them for me? Anyone brave enough? No? No, you have to do it just... You can go English. English is fine. Sorry? Oh, the orders... That's, you've already mucked up the order. <laughs> All right, so, so nice try, Phil, but that's okay. So John, John gave us a helpful, helpful reminder last time, Sydney Cricket Ground Football Ground. Um, you can use that one to help yourself remember or use the one Signa and I use at home, which is Signa Cameron, great, fantastic, gorgeous. It, whichever one... Looking at Signa, I'm probably the only one who uses that, but that's okay. Whatever works best for you. No, but in all seriousness, I think these essential truths have been so important for us to cover as a church. You know, each one of them is so simple and yet so profound. And I think no matter where you are in your Christian lives, whether you've been a Christian for one week or a Christian for 60 years, something in these truths would have been challenging for you. And I think that's for two reasons. One, because they are so profound, there's always more you can learn. But also, I think because more than any other area, the evil one tries to attack this area. Because if even one of these truths gets slightly off track, it can be disastrous for our Christian walk. And so we need to be continually preaching these things to ourselves, reminding ourselves of these things. This just isn't a a serious thing. This is a whole life thing. Every single day, Scripture alone, Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone, glory to God alone. And so today we come to this last official solo. We have an extra week tacked on next week. I don't know how the reformers would have felt about that, but they're long past caring, so that's okay. But this is the last official one, glory to God alone. And as I thought through how to prepare for this message, I found it quite difficult because it's such a big topic, like all the other ones. And I think there's a lot of different ways you could have gone with it. Um, You know, it would be simple, I think, just to state in this sermon that you need to give glory to God, and here's some ways you can give glory to Him. But I think before we get to the question of how, we need to understand well the question of why. Why do we give glory to God alone? Why is this solar even on the end? Why is it so important? And so to answer this question, as Shabu reminded us last week, we're going to go to the scripture. Because the the reformers didn't discover anything new. They rediscovered the truths that are in God's word. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 19. That's where we're going to start. But we're going to jump around a lot today, so don't get comfortable. But before we do, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God for help. And I appreciate if you prayed for me and prayed for yourselves. Lord, uh, I just want to pray that, that we may see your glory today. Lord, that we may be stirred in our hearts towards you. Lord, I pray that you equip me by your spirit and that we may hear your truth today and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So before we get into these verses, I just wanted to quickly give everyone a definition. Because I was thinking to myself, it would be really annoying to speak about giving glory to God in this sermon, and someone's sitting there thinking, I have no idea what that actually means. And so I wanted to quickly give a definition, because I think a lot of times we use church lingo, uh, and we don't actually fully understand it. And so here's a quick definition of giving glory to God. It's not my definition. I got it from gotquestions.com, thought it fit well. Here's what it says. Glorifying God means to acknowledge His greatness and give Him honor by praising and worshiping Him, primarily because He and He alone deserves to be praised, honored, and worshipped. And so from this definition, you'll see that giving glory to God has to do with praising who He is. And this is interesting because... I think it emphasized that to give glory to God, you actually have to know about God. You actually have to know Him. And so this sermon would be a waste of time if I just focused on us giving glory to God. What we need to do is get a sight of how glorious God is. And so as we answer this question, why, we're going to look at why we give glory to God, but we're going to do that also by looking at how glorious God is in His greatness. And so, reading from verse 1 of Psalm 19, it'll be up on the screen also. Here's what it says. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber. And like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the ends of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. So we begin to see in this psalm a picture of how God's creation, the purpose of God's creation, is to give glory to his name. To give glory to God. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. And it's not just a one-off thing you see in these verses. It's continual in verse 2, day to day and night to night. And then all people in verse 4 are witnesses because we all live in this beautiful creation that God has made. But these verses give us a call to give another quick definition because they say the, the heavens declare the glory of God. So what then is the glory of God? We've given a definition for uh, giving glory to God. If that's all about worshipping and praising Him for who He is, then the glory of God is all of who He is in His perfection. His very nature, His holiness, His magnificence on display to everyone. And so we see in this psalm this amazing picture of God's creation shouting at us. It's like it's screaming at the top of its voice saying, it's God and he's awesome. And you know, I think it's very easy just to gloss over this point to say, yeah, yeah, I know the mountains are cool, the sky looks awesome sometimes, but I really want to pause here and try and see if we can capture some of the wonder of this. In fact, I have a quick video to show us if someone could switch the lights. Um, Yeah, have a look up at the screen. A pretty amazing video in terms of showing the scope of God's universe. 
And we kind of see in this video a picture of a God who at one and the same time knows the galaxies that exist 10 billion light years from Earth, while at the same time watches how they move and interact with one another, while at the same time knows the temperature of every single planet every, in every single place, while at the same time knows every single star, while at the same time every, the name of every animal and every word of every language that's ever been spoken, while at the same time knowing every thought of every person, everywhere, all at once, while at the same time knowing all the cells in our body and everything that is occurring in us to the very last atom. And he does all of this and doesn't put one tiny little bit of strain on him. It's just another day of being the God of all things. And so when we see these things and they make us go, wow. When we see a beautiful sunset and they make us go, wow, that's creation saying God is awesome. And you know, everyone, everyone knows this. It's not, it's not something that's hidden. It's, it's known to all and you hear it all the time, but the rest of the world just tries to cover it up. You might hear it when there's a big storm or something. You'll talk to someone and they'll say, wow, Mother Nature is so powerful. What's Mother Nature? It's God. And we all know. And so we see here a picture of the purpose of everything that's created is to give glory to God. And this actually includes us. Flip over to Psalm 24 quickly. We'll see this in verses 1 and 2. Psalm 24. Here's what it says. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. So not only is the purpose of everything to give glory to God, but God actually owns everything. He doesn't just own the creation out there, but he owns every single person. You see that, all who live in it. And so not only has God created us, he owns us and he's designed us along with everything else to give glory to God, to give glory to the one who is glorious. And so this is why it's such a tragedy when we, as his creation, decide to give glory to something other than God. Because it goes against everything that we were created to do. It goes against our very purpose. It's kind of like a beautiful cup of coffee from the perfect coffee beans that have just been served, it's hot, and, 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 and then it just gets poured down the sink. Shabu's just like so... I've never seen such horror in Shabu's eyes before. It's kind of like a Golf GTI that's kind of just sitting... That's a car, for those of you who don't know. It's just sitting in the garage, just collecting dust. It's not achieving what it was meant to do. These are trivial things, but that's kind of what it's like when we, as a creation, decide to give glory to something other than God. It's a tragedy. And so in these Psalms, we get this great picture of how creation, including ourselves, are made for the glory of God. And so can I just stop here for a second and challenge those, those who don't know Jesus and those who do know Jesus, that you'll never, you'll never be able to live life to its full. If you are not, no matter what you achieve, no matter what you do, you won't live life to its full if you're not living as you were designed to live, which is to give glory to God. And so this is the first answer to the question, why? Why do we give glory to God alone? Because we were created to do so. We were designed to do this, designed to give glory to the one 
who is glorious. But as mentioned before, there's a problem with this. There's a problem because every one of us, since Adam and Eve, have decided to give glory to something else. We've exchanged God's glory for the glory of mortal things, as Romans puts it. And this is what we call sin. We've gone against the way we're supposed to live, what we were supposed to do, living outside the bounds of what God's called us to. But this, this created a big problem because the glory that we were supposed to dwell with, God's presence, it had become unapproachable, un- unapproachable to us. And we see this in the story of the whole Old Testament. In fact, this is one of the major themes of the Old Testament, the glory of God, His presence. You know, it was there on the mountain when the Israelites received the Ten Commandments and they trembled. They didn't want to go near God because He was too spectacular. It called Him a consuming fire. We see this in the life of Moses when in Exodus 33, 19 to 23, Moses asked to see God's glory and God says, If you see me in full, you will die. No man can look upon my face and live. And so what does God do? He covers Moses with his hand and lets his glory pass by. We see this in the entire sacrificial system, which was built so that God's presence could dwell amongst his people. But even then, only one person, the priest, once a year could come before God through, through going through a number of ritualistic things, which we hear about in Leviticus. And even then, there was a good chance he'd just drop dead from being in God's presence. We see this all over. When God's glory was amongst the people of Israel, things went well. When his glory was not present, things went poorly. So great was the glory that it, it could not be contained. It was, it was in the tabernacle at one stage, and then in David's time, it was in the temple. But time and time again, this glory was lost because God's people, us, we were so inglorious. We were disobedient. And so there was this big divide between us. A few more examples. Flip over to Isaiah 6. Isaiah chapter 6. We'll just quickly read this out because I think this is one of the great chapters that kind of displays who God is. Chapter 6, verses 1 to 5. It'll be up on the screen. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were the seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah couldn't even stand this presence, this glory of God, and all it made him do was instantly see how rotten he was. That's all he could see. And then a similar thing, you don't have to flick there, but in Ezekiel, he sees a similar image. And in 128, he says, Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down and heard the voice of the one speaking. Ezekiel couldn't even describe what it was like. He was kind of like, it's kind of like the appearance of the glory of the Lord. He couldn't find words. It's kind of like when you walk out of a movie cinema 
and you walk out into the sunlight. You just can't see anything. He couldn't even describe. And so we get this picture through these psalms that although we were a creation that was created to give glory to the glorious God, that His glory, we couldn't approach it because of our rebellion. And so there was a problem. There was this divide that could not be... We couldn't do anything about it. And Romans puts it that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. I heard a good illustration of this once. I think when I was in uh, primary school, I used to be quite good at long jump. I was, could probably jump around like five meters, so I don't know what that is, about from here to the wall, maybe exaggerating a little bit. Um, and, and, I, and I was like, I was pretty happy with that. But then I saw that there was like the Olympian guy, what was his name? I wrote it down. Mike Powell has the world record for long jump. He jumps 8.95 meters, which is literally probably from here to the wall, which is pretty impressive when you look at that distance. Um, and so I kind of imagine what if they asked us to have a competition to see who, which one of us could jump the Grand Canyon. And so, so I ran, I, I get there, I line up. I'm, pretty, I'm feeling pretty confident in myself because I'm pretty good at long jump. I run, I jump, and unfortunately I fall to my death. But then Mike Powell, the, the world record holder, he comes up and he jumps a whopping 9 metres. He beats his own world record of 8.95 metres. But unfortunately he still fell 28,991 metres short. So just, just missed it. This is kind of like the ridiculousness of us saying that we could bridge this gap between us and God. That we could do enough to be as good as Him. And so this was the problem. But this is not the end of the story. If it were, we would be in a lot of trouble. And yet, this glorious God who holds all things together, the one who sustains all things, He bridged the gap. He came to us. Philippians 2 says He emptied Himself. He gave up His glory and this is what we've been talking about in these solas. This is what the purpose of it has been to remind us that it's all God. He came, he grew as a baby, he lived and served the creation he created. He spent time with the most down and out in society. And then the part that makes no sense at all, the most shocking moment in history, the most unexpected moment in history is that Jesus was beaten, he was spat upon, he was hung on a cross by the very muscles that he was keeping going. And at any moment, God could have wiped out everything and saved his son. But he didn't. The one, as Colossians says, through whom all things were made and sustained, died. God died. And he died for those who killed him. He died for all those who rejected his glory and had chosen to glorify something else. And that's every single one of us in this room. But again, not the end of the story. Because as we know, Jesus rose from the dead. His glory was restored and now he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God, having defeated death, defeated sin, and having through his sacrifice paid the price for sin once and for all. And given us the chance to approach his glory. No more priests, no more sacrifices. 
but we can be spotless, blameless, pure before Him when we believe in Christ. And so this is all we've been talking about in this Essentials series. This is why it's so important to realize that it's all about God. None of us could approach Him. We couldn't even stay alive in His presence, let alone try and be good enough for God. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, this is where it's all been heading, to God's glory alone. And this is ultimately why Christianity is the only religion that makes sense because it's the only one that says you don't have to try and be good enough for this holy God. It says, no, no, the holy and awesome God reached down to us. And that's such an important difference. There's nothing that we did. It's all about what he did. And I hope you've got that message these last five or six weeks. And this is ultimately why the Reformers were so angry. Because I think a lot of us, when we think of the history of the Reformation, we think, oh yeah, it was history, the church was in a bad place, but it's all good now because we realized we were doing wrong and now it's all fine. But the problem is, a lot of the church is still there. As some of you know, I I lived in Poland for a year, and more than any other country, I think that's a country that shows what the Reformation was like. It's a a living example of the problem. And this is ultimately why the Catholic Church is so separate from Christianity, because at every single point, it takes the glory from God and puts it on man. If you don't believe me, we'll go through it. Scripture alone. Well, in in Poland, it's not Scripture alone. It's Scripture plus the church traditions. Grace alone, it's not grace alone. God gives you some grace, but then you have to earn His favor Faith alone, it's not faith alone. You have to go confess to the priest. You have to to give to the church. Christ alone, it's not Christ alone because Mary is worshipped alongside Christ. I was always amazed to see that as I walked the streets in Poland, there was just as many statues of Mary as there was of Jesus. And then there was this one day called All Saints Day where, where everyone flocked to the graveyards. It was like... It was incredible. I remember walking there at 8 p.m. at night, pitch black, and it was like some zombie apocalypse movie where you just see all these people flocking to the graveyard to pray for the dead and to worship the saints. Every single area, glory is taken from God and put on man. And this is the problem. This is why Martin Luther was so angry. This is why the reformers were so frustrated. Martin Luther went as far to say that the Pope was the devil. Not sure I would have put it that way, but he, was, he could see the problem. And so I hope as believers here, we've got to understand this past few weeks that it's not our goodness. It's all about God and his work in salvation to redeem us. And if you're a believer who, who's forgotten that, come back to these truths. Rest in him. I mean, yes, we believe, but we believe in a God who cannot fail. That makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. And if you're someone here who doesn't know these truths, if these are new for you, I encourage you to take a step into these glorious truths. To pray to God and He will hear you because of Christ. To seek forgiveness and freedom in Him.
And so we see this beautiful picture here, and we come to like the two reasons we've had, created for God, God's glory and saved to His glory alone. Two amazing truths. And if we just stopped here, I think we would have more than enough reasons to praise our great God. But I think there's something more than this. That it gets even better. If you can believe that, it gets even better. I think there's something that as believers we often miss and we need to constantly be reminded of. I often forget the weight of this. Because it's not just about us giving glory to God. It's not simply a response to say, well, the application from today is to give credit where credit is due. That is a good part of it. But it's not all of it. It's much more than that. And I think there's a key that we need to let soak into us. Because as believers, it's not just that we've been saved from our sin and set free from guilt. It's not just that we praise God because of this. No, not we, what we need to get our heads around is that now, as Christians, as believers, we have become the glory of God. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The glory that was so sought after in the Old Testament, the glory that was unapproachable and unattainable, the glory that was on the mountain, that the Israelites were too terrified to come near, the presence of God, the glory that existed in the tabernacle and the temple, the glory that Isaiah and Ezekiel couldn't even stand before, that glory by the power of the Holy Spirit has come into each one of us. That's pretty amazing. The glory that we couldn't stand before, the power, the presence of God that we couldn't even be alive in front of is, is, is in us. Such is the power of the gospel. So much so that the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians calls us ambassadors, God making his appeal through us. I struggle to get my head around that truth. It's so amazing. God's presence his glory is in us. What a responsibility. We should feel the weight of this because no longer is it about just giving credit where credit due, but realizing our whole lives give glory to God. Everything gives glory to God. And so it becomes about a whole life, not just a response. And so here's the why. Why do we give glory to, to God alone? Because we are created for His glory, saved to His glory alone, and redeemed to display His glory alone. And so now I want to come to the how. What does all this mean in practice? I want to try and bring some really concrete steps out of this. Because I think part of the application is just understanding these truths. They're so incredible. But I think giving some helpful steps can, can help us move into um, applying these things. And so I want to suggest three things that may be helpful in shaping our lives to display God's glory. They've given away the first point already. So number one, expose yourself often to the beauty and power of God. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So how are we transformed in this verse? We're transformed by beholding the glory of God. 
Church, we need to expose ourselves to Him. It comes back to what we mentioned earlier. You can't glorify God if you don't know Him. Your life's not going to miraculously turn around to something that's all glorifying to God. You need to spend time getting to know your God personally. And of course, we do that primarily through God's Word. But you need to do whatever you can to remind yourselves of these truths. I don't know what that is for you, whether that's sticking things on the walls, whether that's talking to someone, whether that's spending time in creation and letting it remind you of the God you serve. But we need to do this. We need to make the time to do this. What, what might you need to give up this week to spend time getting to know your Creator? It's so freeing to get your eyes off yourself. It's so freeing to live for the glory of God because it completely gets eyes off you. It means that in your sickness or in your health or in your workplace, you can live for His glory because it's not about you. Your happiness and our well-being isn't the chief end of life. It's His glory. And this ultimately leads to the second point, to consider each part of your life and how it gives glory to God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I find this verse so challenging because it moves it beyond just church. It states that no matter what we're doing, whether we're resting and hanging out with friends, whether we're at work or whether we're with our families, whether we're watching TV, it says do everything, right down to how we eat. And so we need to actually take the time to sit down and think about our life. How is it giving glory to God? What are the different areas? For me, again, this looks different. For me, this means sitting down with a piece of paper, writing the different areas, and giving myself some points to move on. For you, maybe that's, again, talking to someone. Maybe that's drawing a picture. I don't know. You only know what works for you. But this verse speaks against compartmentalizing our faith, where we have a great faith in church and we're with our believing friends, but when we're away from those things, we live for other things. We give glory to other things. Maybe this is sitting down with your husband or wife and talking about these things. It's so easy to drift along in life to be so busy that we wake up three years have gone by and we are just complacent. We're in the same place we were three years ago. We need to stop and think about it. And remember, it's God's Spirit. He's in you. He knows you're busy. He knows you've got a lot on your plate. But He's going to honour that. Make time for Him. He's not going to leave you out to dry by you taking the, the time to spend with Him, to spend getting to know him better. Pray through these things. Ask his spirit for help. It's not our efforts, it's his. These things are so important. Just to give a really practical example, because I, I, I was kind of thinking, how does this work in, in a workplace? It's kind of difficult. And, and so I, I talked to my dad. Some of you know that my dad is a cl cleaner. Uh, he likes to call himself a clinologist because it sounds more impressive. Sounds much better than Dunny Cleaner anyway. Um, but I kind of asked him, how, what does giving glory to God look like for you? Um, and he said, I don't, it's not that complicated. I think it's, it's working with integrity, not cutting corners in your job. 
It's dealing well with clients, in his case, that get rid of him for ridiculous reasons. Replying with, with love rather than an email to say how terrible things are. It's dealing well with clients. It's making time to speak to people and not just focusing on your job. Simple things. That's for dad. Maybe it's for you. It's something else. But it's not complicated. I'm not trying to create a big list of burden to put on you. It's Maybe this week it's just one area you look at. But no matter where you are in your Christian walk, there's always things that you can be applying, things you can be doing to give glory to God. So what might that be for you? And can I just say, there may be some things that aren't giving glory to God. There may be something, no matter how hard you try and look at it, you can't see how this is giving glory to God. And that's probably a good indication that something needs to be done. Hebrews 12, 1-2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely to us. This verse actually suggests that there's sinful things that we want to keep away from, but there's also things, morally neutral things, that aren't necessarily right or wrong, that take away from our walk with God. So there might be things that you need to give up in order to make time to give glory to him. Finally, number three. Surround yourself with those who spur you on to live a life for his glory. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, it's very easy to become isolated in this Christian life. And, you know, I would challenge you that you can be coming to church every single week but failing to meet together truly because you can be invisible. You can come to church, you can be a part of the service, and you can leave, and you can never talk to people, you can never get to know people. And, you know, I, I, I get it. Life, life is busy and I, I know I don't have kids or anything yet, and, and I understand that that's a crazy and hectic time, but we should be able to do crazy and hectic together. I don't know what that looks like exactly, but we need to be able to be vulnerable with each other. We, we give glory to God at our best when we've got other Christians around us saying, look, look at these things, reminding us of these truths. Christ should free us up to walk in relationship with people like this, to share some of the deep, dark things. Because we all know, we all know how far we fall short from this God. But it's not about that. It's about Him. It's all about Him. And so I challenge you to get back to Him. I don't know what God lays on your heart right now, but it's all about His glory, to His glory alone. And if you don't know these things, again, I challenge you to ask the person who brought you today, to, to seek these things further, to cry out to God, because He hears the cries of sinners. Do these things with God's Spirit and His help. Take them seriously as you go about your week this week. Church, what we're going to do now as I close, we're going to stand.
Uh, and while we do that, I'll invite the music team to come up. We're going to stand and we're going to read out the solas together. Um, so everyone stand up. It's going to be on the screen. Um, we're going to read them out together and then I'm going to close with some verses from Revelation. So here we go, from the top. By Scripture alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, glory to God alone. Keep reminding yourselves of these things. I want to close with these verses from Revelation. It's where John is describing the new Jerusalem, heaven coming down, and here's what he says. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. For the glory of God gives it light. This is where everything is heading. Everything is heading to the glory of our God. And so I challenge you to make your story, your life a part of that. Let me pray. Lord, thank you, that, uh, thank you that you created each one of us. And you didn't just create us and, and let us be to our own um, devices. You created us with a purpose. You created us to enjoy you and to glorify you. We, we went away from that, Lord. We chose to glorify ourselves. And yet you, in all your amazingness, Lord, you, you came and bridged the gap. You saved us completely by your hand to the glory of your name. And even more than that, you chose to redeem us and give us your Holy Spirit. And so I pray, Lord, that we, by the power of your Spirit, may live a life that is glorifying to your name. We need you. We can't do this without you. Help us. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.